Hi, everyone. Welcome to Behind the Numbers. I'm your host, Dave Bookbinder. I'm a Senior Director of Valuation Services at CFGI. In my world, business performance and business value is measured by the numbers, but savvy leaders know that there's usually more to the story than just the numbers. This is the show where we dig a little bit deeper to understand what really matters most in business. I was reading a stat the other day that 90% of the businesses in the U.S. are family-owned businesses. Today we're talking about issues that impact family-owned businesses with my guest Matt Kersner, who's Senior Manager at Eisner Amper Center for Family Business Excellence. Matt, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. That's going to be a great conversation. So, Matt, I usually ask my guests to just tell the audience a little bit about who they are, and then we'll dive in. Sure. Um, so, I'm Matt Kersner. I, I work for Eisner Amper in the Center for Family Business Excellence. And I am a family business advisor. Uh, my background is I'm an industrial organizational psychologist, a business psychologist by trade. And I work with family-owned businesses, tightly held businesses, uh, really, you know, help them with the emotions before the actual emotions uh, take over. Um, I've been with Eisner Amper for close to two years since the inception of the uh, center. and. Uh, you know, I, I work with, uh, like I said, family-owned businesses and tightly held businesses. Yeah, so because it's the preponderance of the businesses in the U.S., there's, there's a lot of folks who are interested in the topics we're going to be kicking around today, Matt. Mm -hmm. And when I have other guests on the program and we're talking about family businesses, a lot of times we get into the conversation of the exit and succession and family dynamics. And most of these folks, whether they're attorneys or other intermediaries, they always say the same thing. I feel like I've got to be a business psychologist to work with family-owned businesses. Well, you happen to be a business psychologist. Mm -hmm. So how does that help you in, in your day-to-day? -day? Uh, yeah, so, um, you know, I get a lot of phone calls from attorneys, accountants, people who work with, with businesses, and they deal with a lot of, you know, the transactional. You know, they want to do the transaction. Yeah. But then there's some conflicts that come in because of emotions that are happening with that. So I really work with the family businesses and the owners to help them navigate through whatever they're going through, to help them make some decisions of what they want to do. Uh, it could be that they're having a succession uh, situation where they want to pass the business on to their, their children, but the children aren't ready yet. Could be right. because of age, could be because of education, could be because of experience. So, you know, they could engage someone like myself to come in and work with the next generation to help them find their voice and find out what they need uh, to get ready. That's one example. Yep. Another example is, let's say, that the owners of the business want to transition the business over to their family members, but they're not old enough yet. So they might need to bring in a non-family member to run the business for a while. We have to make sure that it's a right cultural fit for the family. Um, so we help, uh, you know, do that. Another one is that they might decide that it's time to sell the business, and there's a lot of emotions that go along oh, yeah. with that. So I help not only the owner, but the family members really work through some of that processes. Gotcha. And I know we're called behind the numbers here on this program, but I know you have some numbers and some statistics that you want to share. I do. I, I think it's important. I always get into uh, trends and, and some of the statistics. Yeah. Great. So, so, you know, the, the first one is the estimated lifespan of a family-owned business is only 24 years. So it's really important that we talk about passing the business on or they want to pass the business on to the to the next generation. Yeah, 24 years sounds like it's just one generation. One generation. Most family businesses only make it through the first generation. Wow. Right? So uh, it's really important 
uh, when the first generation owner is looking to transition the business that we really work through some of that. So yeah, that's a, that's a really eye-opening uh, statistic. Right. Another one is 40% of the family-owned business owners are going to retire in the next 10 years. So there's gonna be a lot of movement uh, transitioning the business either to the next generation, to a non-family member, to the employees, or selling the business, yeah. right? So there's, there's just gonna be what I call the tsunami of these family-owned businesses having to make a decision of what they're gonna do, right? Because of, of that trend uh, or that stat. The next one is there's going to be talking about numbers, right? There's gonna be $10.4 trillion that's going to transition from one generation to the next because of the baby boomers retiring. Yeah. There's so many people that are going to be retiring that there's gonna be a lot of money transitioning to the next generation. So we also work with families to help them educate their, their, their children or other family members about wealth management, um, you know, and how to, what I call live, leave, and then give. Yeah. Right, to help them through that process. Makes sense. Um, 35% of the Fortune 500 businesses are family owned. Yeah, that's worth repeating because I think a lot of folks, when they think about family run businesses, they think small organizations, pizza shops, uh, yeah. gas stations, things like that. But yeah. say that stat one more time. Yeah, I will. 35% of Fortune 500 companies are uh, family owned, which is, think about that. I mean, I, I think of like Walmart. Yeah. Right? That's a family owned business. Or, if you really look at some of the big giant businesses and you look at the root of how they started, they were family owned. Yeah, now I've worked with a number of family owned businesses throughout my career. They're privately held and valuations in the billions. Yeah. Another uh, important one too is according to the Small Business uh, Administration, 90% of family owned businesses or 90% of businesses are family owned. Either yep. family owned or there's partners or run by husband and wives. It's good to know I got that stat right at the opening then. Yeah, that's great, yeah, that's perfect. For, thank you for you collaborating. Know, and that's another thing that we help with, right? When you have a family owned business that's run by a spouse, I mean, you know, husband and wife, uh, there could be conflicts on one's ready to retire, one's not. Yeah. Or there's other emotional issues that go on with oh, marriages, yeah. right? And another one is it's really hard for an owner of a family owned business to be able to take off the owner hat or the CEO hat and then put on the father hat or the husband hat. Sure. Right? So when you're working with a family business and you have family members working for the business, when does the clock stop? And sometimes you get burnt out because of that. Yeah. That's another reason why there are a lot of emotional issues that come on because they're talking business at the breakfast table, at the lunch table, yeah. at the dinner table, watching the TV show at night, going on family vacation. So when do they know how to turn it on and turn it off? That's a good point. Right? And then the last step or the last trend, and I'm, I'm getting this through my research, through my study of, of getting my PhD, is uh, I'm finding that owners of family businesses, usually there's something that triggers emotionally when they're young that uh, makes them really connected to the business. That business is actually part of who they are, meaning it's a, either a child or a sibling yeah. or a spouse to the owner. So they are extremely emotionally attached to the business. So when I work with family owned businesses and owners and we start talking about you know, selling the business or transitioning the business either to another family member or to a non-family member, 
it is very scary for that owner because they are so connected to that business. I use the analogy when I, when I speak, it's almost like a father walking their daughter down the aisle at a wedding yeah. and they're giving their daughter away. Usually there's two looks on their, their body language, super excited and say, she's yours, right? Yeah. I'm giving it to you. Or the look of, I'm so scared, I'm giving away something so precious, Yeah, right? So there's a lot of resistance when it comes to making a decision of some type of transaction because of the emotional connection that the owner has to the business. It's interesting because metaphorically, business owners will say, yes, it's my baby. Uh, and, and it really is much more than that. It's, it's a lot deeper. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I hear a lot from business owners regarding transition and succession is that they don't want to sell because they don't know what they're going to do in retirement. Mm -hmm. So maybe they're hanging around a little longer than they should. You know, that's great uh, that you say that. One of the things that we do is, and, and it's a philosophy that we have at the center, is we want people to transition with dignity. So when I work with owners and they're starting to talk about either retirement or selling the business, I always ask them, let's say for example, today's July 10th, let's say it's gonna be August 1st is the day that they're, they're selling, right? Or they're leaving the business. I always say, what does August 2nd look like for you? Yeah. Right, what does your calendar look like? What activities are you you're gonna do? Because what happens is transitioning or leaving a business or doing something, it's going to trigger something. And if they are institutionalized and they've been working in this family business for 30, 40 years, right? They grew up in this, right? Especially, or they started it, right? And they've developed it, or we'll use the 24 years, right? Yeah. That's that. Even 24 years is, is, is a chunk of time. So for them to actually stop doing what they're doing, they're institutionalized. And then they have to start the next journey of their life is very, very scary. Yeah. And that actually, is a major resistance of why a transaction is gonna happen. Yep, so for those who are watching, if you'd like to learn more about Matt and how you may be able to work with him, what's the best way that folks can contact you? Absolutely, so uh, I could be reached at, uh, I'll give you my email address, it's matthew.kersner, uh, K-E-R-Z-N-E-R, -E at eisneramper.com, or the best way to get me is my office number, because I'm always out and about, is to call my cell number, which is 203 671-5239. That's a really good spot to take a quick commercial break, Matt. Don't go anywhere and you don't go anywhere. We're gonna pay a few bills and we'll be right back with Behind the Numbers. RVN-TV is a platform for people of any industry to share their story. Over 285,000 viewers are tuning in to RVN-TV shows monthly. We guarantee a great experience that you'll be sharing with everyone you know while increasing your personal and company's brand awareness. But what is your brand? According to Forbes, it's a combination of your logo, your product, your design and feel, and your personality. Did you know that aside from being a guest, we offer even more opportunity to boost your brand? Adding your company logo and website on screen during your interview will allow viewers to recognize your brand instantly. Incorporating images and video clips is another great way to showcase your product during your live segment. Let viewers see how good you really are. And most importantly, there's you and your interview. For less than the cost of a newspaper, direct mail, or a magazine ad, 
you can leave our studio and within 48 hours have a permanent digital copy of your live segment to link to your social media, embed into your company website, or use in email marketing. Investing in your brand is so very important, and we can't wait to have you as a guest. Shelter dogs aren't broken. They've simply experienced more life. If they were human, we would call them wise. They would be the ones with tales to tell and stories to write. The ones dealt a bad hand who responded with courage. Do not pity a shelter dog. Adopt one. Say we've got grit, and we'll take it as a compliment. Because it's our uncommon drive, our spark within, that brings us together and sets us apart. We are temple made. And when others take shortcuts, when others take breaks, when others take the easy way, we take charge. Hi everyone, welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder and today we're talking about issues that impact family-held businesses with Matt Kersner, who's with Eisner Amper Center for Family Business Excellence. And Matt, before the break, you were talking a little, about, a little bit about resistance, uh, the reluctance of family members to either move forward or move forward together. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Sure, so um, you know, Dave, when, when we get engaged or we get a phone call from a family or from an attorney or an accountant, uh, that's working with a, with a family business. Uh, usually that term comes up. There's some resistance, they don't wanna do the transaction or we're not quite sure what's going on. So then we will then uh, meet with the, the, the prospective client, we have a conversation with them. And then, and then the first thing we do is we usually do a baby step and we do a discovery process. And through that discovery process, we do a bunch of interviews with the family members, senior leaders of the organization, whoever they feel is important. Yeah. And we really try to, right, it's like going to the doctor and having a physical, figuring yep. out where the root cause of the problem is. A lot of times we get a phone call, and I'm using this as an analogy, I got, you know, the, the, the business has a pain in the hip, right? They have this pain, and they describe that this pain in the hip is bothering them, and it's getting in the way of a transaction. But then when we start doing our discovery, we find out that the pain is not in the hip, it's actually in the knee radiating to the hip because of other issues that are going on. And usually we find out there's a problem with communication. There's not clear communication. Uh, there could be some conflict that's going on with the family or with, with people in the business. So usually through the discovery process, we find out that people are not rowing in the same direction, right? right? And as you know, and as other people know, if you're not rowing in the same direction and you're rowing in opposite directions, you're gonna be on this hamster wheel. And that's where emotions start bubbling up yeah. and conflict bubbles up. So what, what I like to do and one of the, the proposals that I make as part of a recommendation is go through what I call a strategic roadmap exercise. Okay. And this is really an activity where I talk a little bit about what is the mission, what is the vision, what is the values of the organization. Yep. And I have conversations, I facilitate this conversation with the family members, key leadership people within the organization 
And I listen to them. I take some of the information that they currently already have, if they don't already have a mission, vision, and values, and I take a look at that information. And then I start talking about what are the major goals of the organization for the next year, next two years, next three years, five years, whatever they feel is important to them. And, and I'll capture those five goals. And uh, from those goals, then we try to cascade it down uh, through the organization and start talking about how do we measure this, yeah. right? What are the deliverables that are needed? Again, how do we measure it? What's yep. in scope and out of scope of what they need to do? Yep, and I think we have that on the screen right there. Great, yes, that, that's the actual, uh, what I call the pyramid okay. of the strategic roadmap. And what's really uh, interesting is when we start going through each of these phases and having a, a, what I call an enriched conversation and we go through it, then we can start cascading those large goals and figuring out how you cascade it down to the whole organization. So again, everybody's rolling in the same direction. If you're looking, if a family business is looking to sell and they might not be where they need to be, then we will go through this exercise to see where they are. For example, after we start putting some of the goals together, we start looking at how do you wanna grow the business, business development, right? And what are the things that you wanna introduce or uh, create or make better? Uh, what revenue needs to change? Are you where you are? Did you decrease in revenue? And how do you turn that around? So really, what are some of the goals to look at your business and develop those? Another one is operating efficiency. When I come in and I do this exercise, we find out that there's a lot of redundancy or overlap or people, when you look at roles and responsibilities of, of employees or even key leaders or even owners of the business, they're wearing multiple hats and they're actually competing with each other because they're getting in each other's swimming lanes. Yeah. So really, how do you do things better, faster, more quality, and do operation efficiency? Do you need to bring in some technology? Do you need to bring in other resources? Uh, how do you clarify those roles and responsibilities? And then the third, and I think is the most critical piece, is people, is your, re your people resources. And what do you have for your bench strength? Who is ready to take over leadership positions today, tomorrow, five years from now? What gaps do they have? What do we need to develop then? Uh, who's retiring in the next three to five years that you might have to do succession planning? Key, key positions. So the people side of the business and part of the strategic roadmap is really looking internally at the people, at the resources, and what do you need to really help them bring up to the next level. Yeah. Once you do those three major buckets, then we can cascade those larger goals and really start introducing them into departments or individual employees so their performance goals are linked to the company's goals or the family business goals so then everybody is starting to move in the same direction. Usually this activity, it could depending on the size of the organization and how many people are involved, it could take a day, it could take three days. Usually I do retreats with, with owners and, and, and some of the key leadership uh, people and we go through this exercise and I have a series of questions that I ask and we have some rich dialogue. And then we really populate this, this, this chart that you see here, really, if you look at each bucket, right? Like vision, mission, values, that's kind of like its own entity as part of this process and we develop this whole roadmap for the organization to get them ready for whatever they need to do. Yeah. So 
getting everybody in alignment obviously is super important. Uh, family harmony so that the dinner table, everyone's getting along. But let's get into just a little more numbers if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, my instinct is when you've got everybody rowing in the right direction and they're not just metaphorically spinning in circles, it's got to manifest in the numbers to keep the KPIs for the business, whether it's sales, profitability, safety, valuation, what have you. What's been your experience there? Yeah, it's, it's a very positive experience. I mean, it's, a, it's an eye-opener once everybody is starting to row in the same direction. And this is what I like to say, right? People like to wear many different hats. And when you're in a family business, you have to. Sure. But everybody has a sweet spot. Everybody has their, their, what they're really good at. So I use baseball as an analogy, right? If you, have a, if you have a baseball team and you have all your players out in the field, everybody has a position that they play. If everybody clearly understands what their roles and responsibilities are and, and they get the proper resources in what I call education on getting mm -hmm. ready, right, to move the needle, you're gonna see people and you're gonna see the numbers come in line. So once everybody has an agreement of what the mission, vision, values are, what they wanna do for business development, growing the business, operation efficiency, you absolutely see positive numbers on the profit and loss statement because one, you're taking redundancy out. Yep. Uh, you're bringing in possible technology that's gonna help things go better, faster, and, and with quality. And you're also educating your workforce to take on more, right? So cross-training is another important piece. So yes, all that that I'm saying here, you are absolutely seeing positive numbers because people are rowing in the right direction. Awesome. How can our audience learn more about you and how can they contact yeah, you? Yeah, that's great. So uh, the best way to get a hold of me is they could reach out to uh, and email me at Matthew, uh, Matthew uh, Kersner at, or Matthew.Kersner at EisnerAmper.com. They can call me on my cell phone. Uh, it's the best way to get me because I'm out and about all the time. That's 203-671-5239. Or they can go on Eisner Amper's uh, website and go to the Center for Family Business Excellence. They can learn more about our center. Uh, they can learn about myself and my colleagues that are on my team. Excellent. I know we only have probably a few more minutes left because time flies here and behind sure. the numbers. But you have a, another slide. Do you want to talk about that or do you want to move into a no, different area? No, let's, uh, let, if we can get to that slide, okay. great. So uh, this slide here, it talks about what I call the human resource model. And, and when we were talking about business development, operating efficiency, and people, the people side of it is really the human resources. So with family owned businesses, especially small to medium sized operations, they don't have a full blown HR department. But I do think that they need to think about human resources. And I believe every leader, manager, supervisor is a human resource manager for the organization. So the key thing here is how do you bring in talent, right? How do you bring in, constantly bringing in talent? And that is requiring talent. The second one is, once you do that, how do you reward and recognize your workforce? So uh, I like to work with the organization, one, on how to select and find the right talent, then reward uh, the people that they have, reward and recognize the, the workforce. And then you have to constantly develop them. So what, are, what do you need to do for succession planning? Uh, what I like to call path of progression. How do you get people motivated to stay with the organization? One of the hardest things is when you're dealing with a, a family-owned business that might have 20, 30, 40, 50 employees, there's not a lot of movement up. It could be a flat organization. But employees still want to grow and develop. So how do you do that? And then the last uh, bucket here is how do you protect your employees? That's policy, procedure. That's the employee handbook. 
people need to know the rules of working for a family business, especially when the family owner has the culture and has their way of doing things. The employees need to understand what that is. Yeah. So when you're working with family businesses, I find out that human resources probably falls under the umbrella of the CFO or the controller or even the owner. They don't have a dedicated HR department. So when I go in and I work with family businesses, I help them understand the importance of human resources. And if they don't have a dedicated HR human resource person, that we can educate them on all the processes needed yeah. uh, to make them successful. Probably only have about two minutes to go, but I want to ask you one question. On behalf of the folks working in family-owned businesses that don't have the same last name as the owner, because I've seen this dynamic, talk a little bit about what that is like and how they can influence change and, and be a, a real leader in an organization where they're not a family member. Ah, that's great, and, and, and I'm so glad you brought that up because I encourage the owners or even family members that are working for the business, they should treat their non-family members like family um, because they work really hard for the family business and they make a huge impact. So it's really important for the owners and the senior leaders who are family members or non-family members to make sure that the, that the employees who are non-family have a voice. So you know, I use the word engagement employee engagement, I use the word uh, employee satisfaction, I use the word continuous improvement. If you want to do all those things, the owners and the senior leaders need to listen to those non-family members because they are the critical piece of your organization. Yeah, and you talk about rowing in the same direction. They've got to have the ability and the authority to call out the family members perhaps who aren't living up to their responsibilities. That is correct. And I also, you know, that's another thing is I work with family members and we put together what's called the sibling code of conduct and that is how do they work together so you know behind closed doors they can debate they can they can get into disagreements but when they leave that room they need to be one voice and they need to make sure that the employees are hearing one voice and if the employees are pushing back the family members should not get upset they should actually be happy that the employees are engaged enough to be able to ask those questions to make sure they have the expectation of rowing in the right direction. Yeah, so no entitlements, no special provisions for family. No. When we got into protecting, right, the, the last bucket of the HR about protecting employees, one of the things that we work with with family businesses, especially when family members are now going to come into the business, is what are some of the policies to make sure that there's accountability for them? and that they're treated no differently than any employee in the organization. Good stuff. Matt, unfortunately, we're out of time. As I told you, time goes fast <laughs> here on Behind the Numbers. Yeah. Today we were talking about issues that impact family-run and family-held businesses with Matt Kersner, Senior Manager at Eisner Ampers Center for Family Business Excellence. Till next time, we'll see you again on Behind the Numbers. Take care. Mm -hmm.